Well, what blows my mind, first of all, is that these companies continue to, to throw $5,000 a month into print ads and trade journals and going to trade shows where there isn't any measurable ROI. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at digital transformation consulting firm, Elevate IQ. Traditionally, the industrial sector's growth has been primarily sales-driven, and marketing takes the backseat. With the changing business conditions of COVID, the industrial sector has been caught off guard without the traditional revenue channels of in-person interactions at trade shows and industry events. The new normal requires industrial companies to rethink their marketing strategies and consider marketing as a key enabler of business development. In today's episode, we have our guest, Joe Sullivan from Gorilla76, who touches on growth from the perspective of marketing and why COVID offers an excellent opportunity to reinvest their marketing budget reserved for in-person events to other digital channels. He also discusses why marketing needs to start from a strategic business outcome instead of tactical approach. If you are serious about growth, this episode is a must-listen to ensure that marketing is not an afterthought in your organization. Let me introduce Joe to you. Joe is an industrial marketing consultant of 10 plus years and co-founder of the St. Louis-based industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76. In addition to co-leading the agency, Joe serves as the company business development lead and consults Gorilla's clients on both sales and marketing strategy. Much of his time is dedicated to speaking, writing, and creating video content on behalf of the agency. Joe is also the host of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where he interviews manufacturing marketing leaders and executives and helps spread their stories to inspire the manufacturing community. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hey, Joe, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Sam. Before we start, Joe, would you like to touch a little bit about what you guys do? Yeah, sure. So um, I co-own uh, Gorilla76. We are an industrial marketing agency of 20 people based in St. Louis, Missouri. I've been, been in business for about 14 years. And really what we do is help mid-sized B2B manufacturers identify, attract, engage, and drive sales opportunities with ideal fit customers. Okay, amazing. So when you work with these customers, Joe, what is your perspective on growth? Yeah, well, the manufacturing sector, from all of my experiences, you know, over the last yeah, probably eight, nine years or so since we really, really specialized deeply in working in with manufacturers, is you know, what we've we've observed is that these organizations are very sales heavy. They're sales driven organizations. 
they generally speaking are fairly un, uh, unsophisticated on the marketing front. So to them, marketing has meant trade shows. It's meant print ads. It's meant direct mail, maybe pay-per-click. But growth has been largely driven through sales as opposed to you know marketing feeding opportunities into sales. And that's kind of the mindset that we are working to help shift. My audience is going to be primarily the operations and finance people. And some of these guys may not have heard the terms like PPC (laughs) or some of the marketing language. So if you could be slightly more descriptive, uh, you know, with respect to marketing and what that means to the operations people, uh, that'll be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll I'll be conscious of that as we we go forward here. So, um, but yeah, to you know, kind of w- w- recap what I was saying there. You know, when I say PPC, we're talking about pay per click. So you know, paid ads in in Google. Um, but you know that for a lot of these companies, that's the extent of how they've incorporated you know modern marketing practices. And I mean, even that is I wouldn't even consider it necessarily a modern marketing practice. It's part of the mix. But you know, we're we're talking about organizations that are like I said earlier driven by sales and in-person events and you know face to face which is great and it's all needs all needs to be part of it but the role of marketing i think marketing is looked at by so many organizations as you know the the guys in the company who create brochures and print materials to to support sales and you know leave behinds and they make the website look nice and maybe do some some stuff about company the company picnic on social media. And, you know, the, the mindset that has to shift here is we need to be looking at marketing as a driver of revenue opportunities. Marketing needs to be feeding the sales pipeline by helping identify the right people from the right companies, segmenting for that audience, uh, figuring out how to extract insights from the brains of subject matter experts in the company and then deliver those insights to the, those right people from the right companies so that you can build a position of thought leadership and expert in your space that so many of our, our, our clients and, and prospects are. They're experts and, and they're deep experts in, in their craft, yet their advertising or their marketing spend is is all about that is is just it's it's just blasting a, a message about this is who we are and why we're awesome as opposed to you know incorporating those those insights from their experts and into their their outbound communications and helping people being a problem solver and a guide in the buying process of of their buyers and when you can when you could shift to that mentality now all of a sudden you're talking about things that your audience actually cares about and able to start conversations around things that matter to them rather than just talking about yourself. And so this is where business development in the manufacturing sector really needs to go of of shifting the spotlight to the customer and what, what matters to them and off of yourself. So with respect to the, the marketing mindset that you mentioned, how this mindset is going to change because of COVID? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I, I think you know, th- there's so many unknowns still, obviously, but, um, you know, like I mentioned, so many manufacturers are reliant on trade shows like that. This is h- how they develop business. And, and a lot of them do it with a lot of success or have in the past. I mean, most of my, it's not like I'm sitting here telling my clients, you need to stop going to trade shows because most of them, um, come back from trade shows and are quoting business with people that they met there, engaged with there and, and they're, 
it's a place where they can deepen personal relationships with uh, with existing customers and prospects and vendors and other partners. And there, so I think there's a lot of value there. I mean, I think you need to be looking at the ROI of that. And are we are we going to the right shows? Do we have to be going to all of these and everything? But I think w- what you know what COVID has done obviously is just sort of flipped the world upside down, the business development world for manufacturers upside down, where you know th- these events aren't happening. If they are happening, they're they're being shifted into these digital platforms. I mean, I literally before this conversation, Sam, I, I got off the phone with a customer who uh, had attended Rockwell Automation's um, like digital event, and it was crickets. All you know for for the few days this this I think you know a couple people showed up at their you know quote unquote digital booth. And so, but, you know, can I blame them for, for doing that event? No, I mean, I, nobody knew what, what this was going to look like. And in, in the live event setting, it was, you know, it was largely successful for them in the past. So everybody's kind of figuring that out on the fly, but I think what, what we know for sure is this, we know that in-person interactions matter. Like we being in front of people, Real human, having real human to human conversations in a room with somebody matters uh, on the business development front. No question there. I, there are very few people I talk to who wouldn't say that that's true. We know that this has been disrupted because of the inability to jump on a plane and fly across the country and see a, uh, a customer or a prospect. Uh, we know that the trade shows are canceled and for the most part, and that you know we're, we're not really sure if these digital events are are worthwhile or driving any kind of measurable positive ROI. So comes down to then, well, what then? What do we do in the absence of trade shows and travel? How do we continue to build real human relationships? How do we continue to fill our pipeline in in new ways, considering the ways we used to do it aren't possible anymore? And so a few things that we are seeing working, um, you know, t- has taken some experimentation this year to, you know, sort of react to everything that's going on. But one thing that's really working well for a few of our clients is more personalized live events that that you are putting on on your own. So as opposed to, you know, jumping on, paying the fee and setting up a, a digital trade show booth that nobody's going to show up at, um, putting on your own live event. And it, and it's as simple as a webinar. I mean, you can literally, you know, get your Zoom account up and running. You probably got one already. Um, you know, pay the extra forty dollars a month to add the webinar feature to it, and now you've got a platform to teach your audience. And and so, you know, let's just say that you, you know you take two of your two of your engineers or deep subject matter experts in whatever, you know, whatever it is you do and and you think about what you know, what are the things that what are the common questions we're always getting from our best customers and prospects? What are the things they're trying to to learn during their buying process? The comparisons they're trying to make between different products or services or materials or solutions. And let's teach about that. Let's have a 20, 30 minute teaching session where we've got our two experts sort of going back and forth on this topic. Let's put a little of that media budget that we, you know, we used to spend on trade shows or, uh, or whatever. Let's let's reallocate that to targeting people with this job title from this type of company in this geographic region with these interests, and let's drive them to this this live event, this live webinar we're putting on. Now you've got a platform to share thought leadership in front of these people. You've got the ability to engage with them one-on-one through a live Q&A session uh, at the end of the event. 
and you've established a warm personal connection with somebody uh, in a human way. Your camera has been on, they see your face, they hear your voice. And, and this is this is such a, a, a more effective way to to be able to try to build a human connection than at least in my opinion and from what everything I've I've heard and observed this year than you know trying to attend these these live events or uh I mean geez it's it's just so difficult to figure out ways to do it. And that's one way to do it. Uh you know, another way to do it is what you're doing here, Sam, like launching a podcast where you're interviewing, can you interview people who are in your target audience and talk to them about the challenges they're trying to deal with and the things they're trying to achieve, interview your future customers and build relationships that way. And in the process of doing so, it's like market research for you. You're asking them about the things that, that the, you know, the challenges they're facing and the things that they're, they're trying to figure out how to do. So there, you know, that, that could be another way to do it, but I think you've got to figure out ways to, uh, to replace the lack of, of human interaction that, you know, was, was there with, with trade shows and, and being able to walk into a, a customer prospects office and sit down around a table with them or have lunch or dinner with them. Um, we got to find new ways to do that and ways that you can do it in a, in a scalable, replicable way. Yeah, I agree with that. In fact, with COVID, I think some of the habits are going to change even if the trade shows are going to be back. So we still have to rely on some of these channels because customers are going to hang out here. I mean, if somebody is used to of listening to podcasts and webinar, they are not all of a sudden going to go back to trade show. Yes, they'll go, but still, I mean, they'll still come back to podcast and webinar. So, Joe, I can see that on LinkedIn, you guys are doing amazing work with your manufacturing customers. And I would like to hear any stories about your customers, the kind of you know work you have done. What were the challenges before when you started engaging with them? And what were the results? Do you have any stories that you might be able to talk about? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I could talk about it from, from a few perspectives, but let's let's go back to this idea of a webinar for example so you know we talked about the idea of of driving people to a live event and but the beauty of an event like that is not only having you know the opportunity to share your thought leadership and expertise in front of them around things they care about and then to engage them in conversation but it's what you can do after that event's over so uh whether it's a podcast episode like this or a webinar you can take the recording of that file and now you can turn it into a variety of what we would call micro content. You know, think about, you know, think about Sam, for example, on this interview, you, you listen back to this after the recording's done. You say, okay, what Joe said from minute 10 to 11 and a half and a half was something I know is going to resonate. Cause I hear, you know, I hear that question all the time from customers. Well, you could take that minute and a half soundbite and turn it into a little little uh, audiogram or you know like sound wave um, video that you could you could then deploy through LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram or wherever your audience consumes you know content or, or you know, spends their time. You got to target tightly, of course, and say you know show this again. Like I said earlier, to people with these job titles and these geographies with you know these interests. Um, so you know all these these little assets can can be made out of that, and then you're just feeding it all right back into the machine. Where you know you use those things from this podcast episode to 
promote your next next podcast episode or promote people to subscribe or if it's a webinar to get people to the next event or to drive them back to your website and consume a, a case study related to that thing, that insight that was talked about in that little short clip. So this is the type of stuff. I mean, one of my favorite case studies is, is ourselves. My my two senior strategists, Julian and Matt, have started a every other Monday at 2 p.m. Central. They're running a, a, what they're calling an episodic webinar series called Industrial Marketing Live. And it's, it's essentially the, the subscribers to this webinar series, they've got a calendar invite on their calendars every other Monday for the same time, uh, just a recurring Zoom calendar invite. And we've got over 170 people subscribed after after you know two months. That you know probably 40, 50 show up uh, for each event, and they're they're learning from us about different industrial marketing topics and engaging in live Q and A. And we are we have have are building pipeline from this. We are quoting business directly from this, and there is zero reason why a manufacturing organization can't be doing the exact same thing. Okay, so tell me a little bit more about the 170 people that you just mentioned, you know, how you are getting them, what kind of audience it is. Sure. So, you know, for us, we we target mid-sized manufacturers. For that particular event, we're targeting we're targeting people in marketing roles. So, marketing directors, marketing managers, CMOs, people who are responsible for marketing inside of manufacturing organizations. My podcast, on the other hand, uh, which is called the Manufacturing Executive, targets manufacturing executives, so CEOs and um, VPs of sales, presidents, people in the in the C suite um, of manufacturing organizations, and so. They're two different audience or different personas, same types of companies, you know, ma- manufacturing organizations that do probably, you know, 10 or 20 million to 200 million a year in sales is kind of our sweet spot. And what we're doing is you know, we're producing content very targeted for them and around the things they care about. And then we're putting a little ad budget behind it to get it out there. So we're, we're using largely LinkedIn, some Facebook to target those exact people and and even going as far as to say you know hey linkedin these 2000 companies we want to show it to people with these job titles from these these companies these exact companies and now we're we're sending we're essentially distributing thought leadership content across these social media platforms we're doing it organically as well posting these things through our personal profiles and building networks that way but we're amplifying the reach of that content by putting a little bit of paid media budget behind it We've also been organically and manually building a list of these people, email list. And so every other Wednesday, we distribute this content to over 4,000 people in the manufacturing space via email organically. You know, on our, our blog, we've for eight, over eight, eight, nine years now, we've been writing purely resourceful content for manufacturers about how to do marketing. And, you know, we you Google search industrial marketing or industrial marketing agency or manufacturing marketing. Um, you're going to see us in the top three or five spots, if not higher, uh, very consistently. So we're, you know, we build, build um, top of funnel pipeline through, through that organically as well. So these are kind of, you're attacking it from a variety of different angles. Some of it is, you know, I look at SEO, search engine optimization or SEO as, as a, a long-term strategy, um, a way to you know, build equity in the search engine. And it's, it's kind of like owning real estate in the search engines. 
And, but then you need to supplement that and do some proactive things like, you know, building your email list, distributing content that way, using these paid social media channels to go directly at the types of people you are trying to reach and put thoughtful, insightful content, case studies, things that matter to them right in front of them um, and, and do it proactively. Okay, so one of the things that I notice when we talk about marketing for an agency versus marketing for, let's say, something like ERP or for the manufacturing product. Talking about manufacturing product is always harder than talking about sales and marketing. So sometimes you might get a lot of traction based on the content that you are producing. But do you have any stories where you actually spoke about a manufacturing part or manufacturing machinery and still you were able to generate the audience. Sure. So one of my my favorite case studies or success stories, I I tell this one all the time, is from a a client of ours. They're called CK Power and they're essentially a diesel powered engine and generator uh, manufacturer and distributor based in St. Louis. Um, This was a few years back, but you know, these guys, they essentially like we learned from talking with their sales team that all the conversations probably three, four years ago were about uh, these EPA regulations that were on the horizon called final tier four. And final tier four was it was it was really about emissions control for engines and generators and um, you know, environmental regulations that had to be complied with. And so so they were you know fielding calls from their customers and prospects about, you know, how do I retrofit my existing equipment to be compliant with these new regulations? Like, I don't understand the ins and outs of what these, these, you know, things mean, these, you know, technical sub points. Um, it, when I'm buying new equipment, what are, what are the things I need to know, make sure I'm, I'm being compliant. So they found themselves being sort of de- developing this wealth of information internally about, the subject of final tier four. And so we, you know, that's the kind of insight that needed to feed their marketing strategy. And so we worked with them to develop a whole bank of content that would be um, purely educational in nature. The stuff wasn't about CK power and what they did. It was about how to deal with final tier four, how to prepare for it, what you need to know, what you need to be doing, what you need to be thinking about as you're budgeting. Uh, how, you, how you can be retrofitting your products. We, we just made them the best source of information online around Final Tier 4 as it relates to engines and generators. And so organically, we had a lot of success in the search engines, meaning you know the, the unpaid, like the natural search results, because we turned them into a resource and we taught the search engines that they're a credible resource for Final Tier 4. So they, they watched their inbound leads really skyrocket over the next year for searches that came through things related to final tier four uh, and, and their, you know, their quoted business and actual resulting revenue from that kind of followed suit where you know, I, there was something like 800,000 to a million in sales over the course of the first quarter after this stuff went, went live was attributable to, you know, organic search around final tier four. So this was, this was a few years back. If I were doing this today, we would not only have, have developed all this amazing content and let, and let, you know, people who are out there looking for it show up at their doorstep through Google searches. But we would also say, okay, who's this content for? You know, we were writing it for a very specific type of buyer persona from a specific type of company. I'd be, I'd be simultaneously saying, let's go make sure we get this content proactively to the exact same 
to to that audience through uh, you know putting some ad dollars behind it and distributing it through LinkedIn, maybe Facebook, through seeing what we could do with with YouTube and so anyway that that's kind of there's a tangible example for you. Yeah, that's a great example. In fact, I me mean, see, I would like to go back to your topic about manufacturers not having the the appetite for marketing and not doing marketing as much. If you think from the CFO's perspective, they are the ones who are actually writing these checks, and if they have never done it before, it could be a fairly fairly scary experience writing the check down and you have no idea what you are going to get back. So let's say Joe if you were the CFO and you have no idea what you are going to get back from your marketing initiative how would you start as a CFO on the marketing initiative Well what blows my mind first of all is that these companies continue to to throw $5000 a month into print ads and trade journals and going to trade shows where there isn't any measurable ROI um you know again I'm not an advocate against I'm not you know saying don't go to trade shows but there's so much waste already and and people doing things that aren't even measurable like the beauty of the type of marketing that I'm advocating for here is that everything's measurable you, you know like you could literally you develop an amazing piece of content for a specific type of buyer you put a $1000 ad budget behind it for 2 weeks and you see what it what it delivers. You know, are we generating visibility and engagement from this? Are we driving website traffic? Are, are you know we can look at a you can look at a two minute video you you publish through LinkedIn and and say, you know, what percentage of of the people that this reached watched seventy five percent of this video? You know, if somebody's watching one of your subject matter experts talk for a minute and a half on a two minute video or more. Like that, that means something. It, it means that there is engagement there and good things are going to follow. Uh, and then as you start, you can trace all this stuff. You know, what, what were we able to, uh, what traffic were we able to drive through these LinkedIn ads versus through organic search? Which pages uh, were the ones that through organic search drove these leads? And what happened to those leads? Which of them turned into actual pipeline like which which did we quote business with and which ones closed and were these the right types of customers all this stuff is measurable and traceable and and so you know i think that of course there's some leap of faith you have to take at the beginning cuz there's an investment to make you can't you can't just start with $1000 and and just go like there's got to be some strategy work that's done like you need to you need to develop content and either if you either your team's going to make it or you're going to pay somebody else to help you make it so there you know there's some foundational work that's that's got to be done to to get you off the ground but man i'll tell you it's it's the, the way i see people wasting money on things that have no ability to be measured and and have you know returned nothing year after year after year i don't know why you wouldn't go down a path where you're setting yourself up for long-term success and doing things that you know you, you can actually trace uh, roi to yeah i could not agree more in fact i mean see i think the issue here is really the the comfort zone and it's hard to challenge the comfort zone so let's say if i have been spending my 5000 dollars for last 20 years and whatever is i perceive it to be working it's just working that way okay i know that if i spend 5000 dollars this is what i i get back versus trying something new so obviously trying something new is always scary 
So let's say if you were the manufacturer and if you were the CFO and you want to try, you have maxed out on the budget and the and the dollars that you have, how would you start? Would you take the 80-20 strategy? Would you take 70-30 strategy? Would you invest everything that you have got at this point of time in the new ch channel? How would you approach this? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think people do absolutely get locked into into their comfort zone. But I think, you you know, this is, you know, right now you and I are recording this in, in uh, November. And, you know, by the time it goes live, it's probably, you know, we're, we're looking at it a new year here. And, and uh, who knows what, what decisions have been made already and from a budgeting standpoint. But like, I think as you look at, you know, your budget, you need to, to say, like, where are we? where do we know we're getting something positive? I mean, if you, if you go to this trade show every year and you come back with, and you're quoting business or you're, you're building relationships, like put, figure out how you're going to measure what value is being created there. And as you look at the print ad you've been running for the last, you know, 13 years in, in your industry trade journal that costs you three grand a month, like look at that hard and say like, is what is this returning for us? What is this doing? Is it just our logo in front of, you know, our audience who who browses through this magazine regularly. And is that really the best spend of $3,000 every single month when you could use that $3,000 to distribute an amazing piece of content to very specific people and guarantee consumption of that content? Um, so, you know, it's, it's a tough question to, to, to answer, but, um, I would just look really hard at where you're spending that dollar now. And if you're not spending that dollar, which frankly, a lot of manufacturers just, because they don't understand the value of marketing and they don't understand what, what it should be doing. They're, they're not even spending on marketing, but not, now what you're doing is you're relying on, on your sales team to go out there and cold prospect business and, you know, cold call people and who, who frankly don't want to hear from you in the first place because you're a salesperson and you don't know if they're anywhere in the buying process or not. So you, you got to start somewhere. I think it all starts with a, a really clear strategy. Like you have to look at and say, what, what's the business outcome we're trying to achieve here? Are we trying to grow by 10 million in, in new sales next year? Are we trying to grow by 50%? Uh, look at your growth target and and then work with somebody who can advise you on how to get there. You know, Don't focus on... A lot of marketers are measuring the wrong thing too. They're they're like, you know, we we need to rank first for this in Google, or we need to to drive this much more traffic, or we need this many more leads. And I always just ask the question, why? Like, what? And, and it always comes down to what is you know, because these are the things that are going to get us to this sales goal. Okay, well, start with the target. Start with that new new sales target or new customer acquisition target, and work backwards. How many? qualified opportunity or quoted opportunities do I need in my pipeline to hit that sales target based on our close rate? Step back one further. How many sales qualified leads do we need on our sales team's plate to be able to you know, quote that much business? And then you build your plan from there. Are the trade shows you're going to right now filling your pipeline with enough of those opportunities to get you there? Is the, tra is the print ad that you keep running or the direct mail campaign you keep running or that you know the the salaries you're paying these people to cold cold prospect for you is it getting you to those quoted opportunities that you need to hit your sales target and if the answer is no then you need to look hard at what you're actually doing and figure out a better way to get there and there are so many great ways to do it digitally and in a measurable way uh, through marketing okay as a manufacturer covid was a huge wake-up call for me my sales is down 50% at this point of time. So yes, the comfort zone was working previously, 
but now I need to try something new. So I'm definitely sold on what you are you are saying. So let's say, Joe, if I want to work with you, what would be my 30, 60, 90 day plan? And and just to clarify, you're talking about if somebody were to work with with us, with our company, like what would that look like? Yeah. So let's say if I'm a manufacturer, I'm starting on my marketing journey. I have no idea how to how marketing works and how I should be investing in marketing. I'm coming to you for help because I, I need help. So what would be your advice in terms of 30, 60 day plan? Sure. So if, if, if we were working with, with any manufacturer that we work with, we start the exact same way. We go through a process we call the industrial marketing roadmap. And whether you do this with us or whether you do it with somebody else, their version of this, it needs to start with strategy. That is my number one piece of advice for you. Do not, you know, do not start by saying we need to do search engine optimization or we need to be running ads on LinkedIn or we need to be, you know, producing content. You need to start with a strategy to get to the business outcome you're trying to achieve. Like I was just talking about, you know, whether that is a sales target or a new customer acquisition target or even a pipeline revenue target, you need to start with the business outcome you're going to achieve that you're trying to achieve and you got to figure out how are we going to get there? And that's going to vary from one company to the next. If, if you're a, a, you know, a huge company in your space, a big player, and you've got a ton of authority in the search engines as you do in real life, it's going to be a very different strategy than if you're you know, a smaller fish in a pond where there's you know, lots of big players and, or, or just lots of competition in general. You're, going to have, you know, you're not going to have the, the same path to get to those results. So you need to work with a strategist who can help you evaluate, you know, how competitive your space is, how you're going to, you know, how you're going to beat those companies, frankly, and, and get to your target audience and deliver a message that's going to resonate with that with them and, and deliver a plan there. So, you know, if you were working with Gorilla, my company, the, the, the process would be our industrial marketing roadmap, where it's, we spend a half day with the CEO, the the uh, or president, the VP of sales, the head of marketing, and usually a few key sales engineers or, or sales professionals who interface with customers and understand them and know that you know understand the things that they care about and the questions they ask, and it, we learn from them. We we dive into your into into you know all those things, the buying triggers and pain points and common questions of your your customers. We look at your competitive um, space out there, and then we take a few weeks, usually about two three weeks, and we go do some research. We we develop an overarching strategy and a specific action plan for how you are going to get from point A to point B, where you define what point A and point B are with the resources you've got, which means, you know, either your, your budget or your internal staff or some combination of, of those two, but it's got to start there. You need a roadmap and a strategy and an action plan to get not to those marketing KPIs, but to the business outcomes that you want to achieve as a company. And and then you, and then you implement from there. That's it uh, for today, Joe. Do you have any final closing thoughts? I don't think so other than, you know, kind of just reiterating you know, something I said earlier, which is just take a look, a hard look at, at where you've been spending your marketing dollar in the past. And, and I ask yourself, honestly, what what are we doing? What is this generating for us? What out business outcome is this tangibly creating for us? And if it's not measurable, if it's not something that's moving your business forward in terms of, you know, growth at a company level, 
then you're probably doing the wrong thing or you need somebody to look hard at it for you and, and help you figure out how to adjust that strategy. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think measurement is the key. If you cannot measure, then I would definitely be cautious in spending that dollar. So thank you for that thought. You bet. Okay, amazing, Joe. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And you have a wonderful day. Well, thanks for having me, Sam. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up stuff from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to know further about Joe or Gorilla76, please visit gorilla76.com forward slash learn where you will find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides and tools to help manufacturers identify, attract, engage and drive sales with ideal fit customers. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Chase Clymer from Electric Eye, who brings a unique perspective on D2C from the angle of e-commerce toolset and Shopify. Also the interview with Michael Bagg from AMZ Advisors, who touches on D2C from Amazon as a marketing channel standpoint. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.